I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson, and sitting across from me after a bit of a hiatus. He's dressed like Noel Edmonds, but smells like fresh biscuits. It's my long-lost darling, Mr. Ian Morris. Okay, did you know I'd be wearing a floral shirt? Yes. Or did you rewrite that script when I came in? You're you're one of my best friends, but you are the second best Noel Edmonds. <laughs> Underneath the blanket, he is a man of many mysteries and a thousand smiles. Um, but with a thousand and one smiles under... <laughs> her own garment or kimono it's Marta Svetek oh hi and Marta is going to be joining us for the entire show and we're going to talk a little bit about virtual reality about motion capture about what it's like to don a black suit be covered in white spots she does a lot of motion capture work acting voice acting all sorts of stuff in fact you listeners may know her voice oh yes also Marta was (laughs) is the voice the sultry voice of our um our Patreon promotion that uh, people on the free feed will hear, but the patrons won't because we don't include that. That is true. I, I feel like I should do the whole the whole podcast just like this. Well, the, <laughs> when we recorded those uh, those promos, we, I had to leave the room at one point <laughs> because we couldn't stop laughing. So much joviality. Ian, I've missed you dearly. Like, um, like just, <laughs> it's, it's felt like like leprosy walking around but not having any underwear on. You know, it's not that you're totally uncomfortable with the situation, but you, you can just tell something's There's radically a, different. You're missing something. You can miss something. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I've missed you too. Thank you. Uh, and I'm very sorry that I haven't been around. That's accepted. Um, We're going to start with some pseudo news, i.e. something that came out nearly two weeks ago that I want to talk about because we haven't done a podcast for two weeks. Um, and in fact, when I read uh, a couple of weeks ago that Valve was making another Half-Life game, I felt... I'll be honest, Ian. I mm-hmm. felt like a I felt like a horse that had been very nervously waiting for, let's say, twelve years for a fatal trip to a glue factory, <laughs> only to be told as the as the hooves hit the heat that it was time to ride again, because um, right. Half Life and its sequels are amongst the highest rated games of all time. Certainly, some of my very fa- very good games, favorite games of all time. Half Life Two mm-hmm. is spectacular. Yes, and after a planned three-part story arc uh, stalled once part two was released in 2007, the question of whether Valve had given up on its franchise uh, has worried Half-Life lovers such as you and I uh, as much as the doomed pony I alluded to just a few moments ago. But then something something else happened. Valve said that Half-Life Alex, as the new game due out next spring is called, will be exclusively a title to be played in virtual reality headsets. Boo! So think back to our friend the horse, the obligate nasal breather. He was told, you will not be glue today as you need to ride again. And he was excited. But then, of course, he was told you'll be riding on the moon where it's expensive. Very few people have access to what you're doing and there's very low gravity indeed. And you became deeply troubled. That is my extended metaphor, my equine metaphor that I'm going to kill now because, frankly, it's it's tiring to make up and it's, I'm sure, tiring, even more tiring <laughs> to, to hear. To, yes. My point was, I'm very excited about there being a new Half-Life game after more than a decade and I don't think retired horses should be sent to the moon. Um, so, Half-Life's Agreed. coming back, Ian. 
like the Sugar Babes or Motley Crue, or you, in fact. Oh, right. You have returned. Okay, yeah, that is true. Yeah, we're not going off on a note tangent. <laughs> Half-Life, new Half-Life, but in VR and VR only. And that's the that's the, that's the the actual meat and potatoes of this little dinner here. Um, right, great. Yeah, I mean, I find that a little bit disappointing, if I'm going to be, going to be completely honest, okay. because I don't have VR. And now I'm not opposed to VR, but I'm also unlikely to uh, get out my wallet and pay for a VR system. Not without a really good reason. You see, that's where the moon metaphor came from in my ridiculous little rant. I think. It's hard to know for sure, even myself. But I think that's what I meant, is that um, it's something brilliant, but very few people are going to have access to. But for something that has the draw of Half-Life, which really made Valve, like, that's what it was. Steam was a mandatory install in, like, 2003 when you bought half-life 2 like yeah. you had to install steam there was a fuss about it if i recall there was because most people were on dial-up connections uh, at the time and uh-huh. it was very difficult but that's where steam came from obviously valve has gone on to do arguably bigger and not necessarily better things but certainly greater things well they've made more money certainly have and everyone's been wanting half-life 3 half-life 3 well this isn't half-life 3 because chronologically it takes place between half-life uh, 1 and 2 that's right barney this is a red letter day We'll inaugurate the new teleport with a double transmission. You mean it's working? For real this time? Because I still have nightmares about that cat. No, no. There's nothing to be nervous about. What cat? We've made major strides since then. Major strides. What cat? It is going to be a full-size game. It's not. It's, it, it actually is, isn't it? It is. So yeah. It is going to be. Oh, okay. It is. And I've seen some previews of it. And the the gloves that you have in the hands and the vision in your in your head like they said that they couldn't map they physically couldn't map what they're trying to do to um, a keyboard and mouse it has to be vr i find that hard to believe but i reckon this could be the thing that gets people to buy vr and and embed in the vr thing simply because they want to play more half-life marta did you Uh play half-life was it your, I, your I didn't finish it. No, I didn't finish it. I did play some of it. I'm, I'm in between opinions here because part of me thinks VR and everything, VR gaming, what was keeping it back was the lack of great content. Mm. And here's people coming with great content. Like one of the one of the really good recent releases is um, from End Dreams is uh, Phantom something oh my god i can't remember like recon is this great kind of stealth game that's in vr and actually one thing that really bugs me with the trailer of half-life alex is the whole disembodied hands like Mm. i can't get over that in vr i've played a lot of vr games and it's just i can't get over it so that kind of breaks the immersion for me but let's say okay fine that's all that's all great great content content is coming it's and you know the tech is getting cheaper and operative were cheaper, not mm. cheap. Yes. And I've already spent a lot of money on a PC rig, and I'm supposed to spend more money on a console, uh, not just one, but two, <laughs> and then this. Nice. And I just don't actually have the time to also play. So they're, they're not just dealing with the barrier of a small install base. They're dealing with a barrier of people's time. And if people are going to go through the trouble to actually buy a VR platform for this game that's been not really a thing for a long time for 12 years Mm. they've lost a lot of the excitement yes there's a certain amount of people are gonna be super Mm. excited but there is a huge player base that's evolved since then they have no idea what half-life is i've not really thought about it like that but you're right there are now people in secondary education who were just a drunken mistake in their parents' bedroom, 
at the point <laughs> yeah, that we were playing the most recent episode of Half-Life. <laughs> yeah. That is very interesting. Um, I do think that Valve has left it long enough that it did have to do something quite different to immediately rekindle joy and bring in new players to a franchise that really is not actually that accessible. Yeah. I mean, it's a story, it's a first-person shooter about a quantum scientist um, dealing with interdimensional uh, dilemmas and, and all kinds of scientific stuff. Like, it's not your brain-dead Call of Duty sort of thing, nor is it the kind of big open world environment that's become very popular with Witcher and, and Elder Scrolls. Destiny 2. And yep. Destiny, which I know you two play Destiny <laughs> yeah. a lot. And of course. That'll be relevant probably later. But... Um, yeah, yes. I was gonna. I was just gonna say. We also we don't know if Valve can actually still make games. Like we don't know if because of that team has long gone, right? So the writing team for the game, I think, is gone. But but Valve has a very interesting setup. You know, they have desks on wheels with little clips on the sides, and there's a, a manual that I've seen that's like a new employee's handbook. And the manual says, you know. It, Go and work on whatever you want to work on. The reason your desks are all on wheels and interconnected is so you can literally detach it and go and work on another team. There's no... Yeah. It's a very flat structure. No one. That doesn't it. mean that anyone there is a game builder. No, what I mean is, is that it could just as easily be that there are people that did work on Half-Life that splintered off and ended up working on something else I'm with you. that have got together and decided to do this new VR thing. So it's not necessarily that the spirit of what made Half-Life Half-Life is gone. It just may manifest itself in a new a new way. Okay, right. Sorry, well, Marta. You no, no, absolutely. I mean, really, it's it's definitely a game with a very interesting story and that's what we're talking about. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be open world or whatever. The main thing is that the story is interesting. And at the same time, I know at least from a performer side, um, there's a lot of very, very top talent that's actually involved in this game. Yeah. So they they really just do amazing things with, with stories. And on the writer writing team, there's also some really good guys. So I don't doubt that it's going to be an interesting story to play. To me, it's just, is it going to be good enough to be worth my time mm. next to everything yeah. I already played? And, and, and having to buy a VR headset. I don't yeah. know. I think probably... Based on my experience with Half-Life 2, I, I would say it is... I don't finish a lot of games, but I finished Half-Life 2. Um, and I would say that that's a testament to it, how compelling it was as a story. I mean, it's a million times better than Half-Life, which is quite hard to finish. Yes, Half-Life is actually very difficult to finish. It's it's a it's a game I love playing the first half of. I, uh-huh. Half, uh-huh. half of. Quarter. Well, I have a like. question for you guys, actually. Yes. Do you find it weird... To play VR alone in your room without people around you. Well, I don't have it, so. But in in theory, no. I've I've played it. The, the The most I've done in VR is when I've used the Vive. No, the HTC. Vive. Yeah, the HTC Vive at Andy's house. He had one of those set up. You know, mm-hmm. has all the things in the corners of the room and tracking you. And there was one in particular I played where you're. I think you're an eagle, or you're supposed to be sitting on the back of an eagle, just flying through this photorealistic pixel perfect rendition of Paris I think it is and that is I mean it's wonderfully fun and super compelling but it's quite fun both being watched and watching someone else do it I wouldn't play that game alone yeah but I've not really the fun is watching and being watched because it's because it's so ridiculous yeah yeah. But, but I don't. I, I don't know. With I really don't know with this. It totally depends how it's how it's executed. Well, I had a headset at home, and I now you know live without flatmates and all that. I'm all you know adulting and stuff. <laughs> the main thing, the main weirdness for me was the sensory deprivation for 
what's happening around me when there's nobody else yeah. in the house. It's really, really weird. And I, for me, that's always gonna, also going to be a barrier to getting a VR headset. Is it going to be like something that I only touch when I have people in in the yeah. house? And then it's kind of like you have to swap because you can't be in there three hours playing and people just be like, okay, fine. Yeah, and this is not the sort of game that's going to uh, lend itself to being played with other people, is it? So it's not the sort yeah. of thing where you're going to have mates around to watch you play Half-Life. That's true. Uh, so, that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting yeah. point. I will be very interested to see how the streaming community reacts to this because yeah. while they say you can only interact with it in VR, maybe there's a, a huge opportunity looming for watching other people play it in a non-VR environment. Maybe. I, I watch... Um, what's that game called? Um, Keep Talking... Uh, and nobody explodes or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, do you know the one I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is available both as a normal game and as a VR game. And I've watched people do it as VR hmm. uh, as on streams, and it's extremely entertaining. Yeah, yeah I've been watching quite a lot of um, uh, of Twitch games really recently, but mostly it's been esports stuff. You know, League of Legends. I've been I I, I tried to understand the language of League of Legends because I've been working on a lot of. Esports, professional esports coverage at Bloomberg in my in my day job, and and in order to do that justice, you really need to kind of be embedded in the culture. Anyway, uh, point is, um, what was the point? Don't know. VR Half Life yeah. will will the pull of the Half Life name, its legacy, be enough to convince people to invest in a very high end PC because we've seen the minimum specs and it's not insignificant. It's not insignificant by any stretch of the imagination. It's, be- it's better now than it was. Like yeah. I think most gaming computers that have been bought within the last three years would be easy. No, really, I no. don't. I don't think so. No, Absolutely oh really? Not. No, I mean we're seriously high end stuff needed. Oh well. Yeah, I'm, I'm still obsessing over rigs. You know that. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm me obsessing too. over like various hardware and everything. I keep wanting to upgrade my computer, even though I don't need to. Mm. But I think you're looking at about two, two and a half grand oh, easily. My. I think easily. so. I will probably be watching somebody else play this. I will probably not play it myself. Like that. That's the big difference. And I actually find VR games entertaining to watch, and particularly in the horror game genre, it's great to watch other people play them mm. when it's not as terrifying for you yeah but i think it's gonna fall into that genre so they're not i don't see this actually being a huge commercial success well let us know any thoughts of course that you have hello at uktechshow.com will you be investing in an all-expensive vr rig in order to play what may be the greatest game of all time <laughs> An advert featuring a woman diving into a Deliveroo delivery bag to retrieve multiple food orders has been banned, the BBC wrote this week. The Advertising Standards Authority said it might mislead viewers to think they could order food from different restaurants to be delivered together. The ASA received 300 complaints, the third highest of the year so far, according to the BBC write-up. Deliveroo said the advert was about emphasising choice. Now, the advert in question showed a woman taking a delivery from a driver at a front door and then distributing meals from a variety of different restaurants around the house from a single bag. Um, Complainants said that it didn't specify that the restaurants needed to be ordered from separately. Um, There was on-screen text, but the ASA said that the overall impression was that you could get all this stuff delivered at once. Now, there was a separate write-up from Gizmodo that was very critical of the ASA's decision, and it said... 
Quote, this is the Gizmodo write-up, quote, If you were hoodwinked by the campaign, you probably also believe that a geriatric old man can deliver presents to kids the world over in the span of one night with the help of some aeronautically inclined caribou. And, quote, For the record, you can't actually dive into your delivery bag, however hungry you are. Now, it's very rare that I take issue with snarky write-ups, because I like Gizmodo, uh, and in fact, you used to... Right, for I did, it, and I you? used to so, do snarky write-ups. Yeah, but I have to say, I'm actually much, much more with the ASA here because I heard a version of this ad in an Uber, I think it was, a few weeks ago, and I remember saying to whoever I was with, I think it might have been Andy, I was going to an all-night Taylor Swift rave. Um, somewhere Good in, God. Yeah, and I think I turned around and said to him... Good luck to anyone who thinks they'd actually be able to have all those restaurants deliver at the same time, because I because that, I thought that ad made it sound like that was totally plausible. I was like, not a chance. Like, could you yeah, imagine? But also, no one's actually going to ever want to do that, are they? That's not the point. Well, is it not not the point though? Have you ever ordered from even two delivery restaurants at the same time? No, no. I don't believe anyone does that. I do get what I, they're I saying. I wanted to. Yeah, oh yeah, sure. Yeah. But I do get the I do get what they're saying in that I mean you could do it with if there were say five people at your house and everyone wanted separate delivery, they could just get their own and then a bunch of delivery drivers will turn up or riders or whatever. But that's I Should I feel we just like should we should pandering just... to the people who have to have everything presented to them entirely literally. No, 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 no. I wanted to use this as a little bit of a segue into what to me seems like an obvious tech solution. Why can't you do that? The whole point of Deliveroo is that it's basically a software backend for multiple restaurants integrated into a single platform that facilitates ease of use for customer and easy delivery systems for restaurants right there is no reason i don't think that this shouldn't be considered the best possible idea for delivery to use in the future i get what you're saying but the problem with that is food needs to be hot most of the time yeah and it's going to be very difficult for restaurants that are not connected to one another to simultaneously cook that food at the same time i disagree whenever you order from delivery it says ahead of time the estimated time of delivery for your order i don't think there's any reason at all why two drivers and yes it would require multiple deliveries but then delivery has this delivery plus thing that it tries to get you to subscribe to of unlimited deliveries this would be a great use for that because then you wouldn't have to think about multiple payments you no, would true. just think okay well because i'm a fussy eater maybe i want fish and chips maybe you're round at mine and you want um a curry or something maybe andy was round and wants italian so you go on delivery and you say i want this italian dish from you know place that sells pizza another one for curry another one for fish and chips and the software and the technology does it in the back end i'm sure that's possible make sure that it's delivered re- within a rough margin of similarity i mean it's certainly possible but i don't find those delivery estimates that accurate anyway yeah that's That's the big one they're not they're not accurate you know sometimes it'll say an hour and it will turn up in 15 minutes sometimes it will say 15 minutes and it'll be an hour when i lived in zone one yeah they were pretty accurate but now that i don't you know there's a big big difference the second you leave like a restaurant hotspot enters delivery times now i'd be totally fine with you know okay i have multiple restaurants going here Let's just, I'll get the stuff when I get the stuff, hopefully soon, but it will have to be different deliveries, different delivery guys. You know, some people are saying it should be in the same delivery. I'm like, yeah, no, because no. then no, most of your no, stuff no. will be. That wouldn't work because you'd cold. physically have to drive 
two miles to a different restaurant. This only yep. works if you have multiple delivery drivers. Yeah. Maybe when the drones come, maybe then. Maybe. Dawson in uh, the chat room, in our live chat right now, says that they get a delivery of Chinese and then a pudding place, and it comes at different times. So that's, well, that's two, okay, that's though, two restaurants. You just place two orders. Yeah, that's it. You just place two orders. But on the on the write up, actually, I agree with you, Nate, because I'm thinking the 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 ranty writer kind of missed the point of the ban. They kind of missed. Oh, like, are you that stupid that you think that you're going to leap into a delivery bag and get everything? Like, no. But there is a serious misrepresentation of what the service offers. Now you will find out eventually when you go into Deliveroo, like that, that that you can't do that. And oh, so sad. Oh no, then you won't use it if you're not happy with it. But still, if you're going to actually put this message out, you have to be a little bit more responsible. Speaking as a marketer as well. Oh <laughs> yes, other okay, but yeah, like, that's fair. You you need to accurately portray what your service is. I mean, to be honest, as a business or as a marketing, if I was on that team and to have to deal with the deluge of people ranting about the misrepresentation even that already makes it not worth it yeah that's a really solid point i'm like people will complain they'll let you know about it before they'll like the asa yeah know about it Very i mean true. richard in the chat room also supports your argument about this being a city versus out of city thing and says i'd be happy just to have a single restaurant who will deliver to our house a downside of living in the countryside yeah, it's very um, true. You get out of the cities and these services are not... I mean, I don't live in London. I live just outside of London and we have a choice of 11 restaurants on, on our local Deliveroo and Deliveroo's only been with us for less than a year. Yeah, same with me. I mean, even and I'm... Well, I'm, I'm maybe not closer to London than you, but... I, you're you're in, in Surbiton. I, yeah, I'm in zone, what is it, six? What are you? Surbiton's not zone six, it is, is it? Is it really? Yeah. Wow. But Tom and Barbara Good back in the day had a long travel to get to Mayfair on that one time they did that thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm not in a zone. I don't think maybe nine. Well, okay, so that's that says a lot then. I'm in a zone, you're not, uh, which suggests that I mean, but I haven't had it, and I'm technically in a in the travel zone. So you know, it's it's taken them a long time to roll that service out. I get the sense that maybe Deliveroo's not. Um, I, I I don't think they wanted to just blast money into you know, making this mm. thing happen. So anyway, but that's not really the point, is it? It's, it's all the point. It's just not as good as mine or Marta's. Okay, all right. <laughs> well, that, wasn't the, that wasn't the main thrust of my point. No, it wasn't. Tell me more about your thrust. Oh, I mean, I'm not sure if I want to. Oh, all right. I okay. mean, only because I think we've done enough of it. We have. It warrants exactly lots more conversation. And my, my intention to talk about a complaint about an advert was to talk about, is that not actually a really good idea ah, yes. using technology? And I think we've established that it mostly is, but it will be a problem for the foreseeable future. But I think other people will have views. Hello at UKTechShow.com. That's where you should send them. Marta. Hi. You're still here. I am. I'm very pleased. I'm awake too. And Just for you. There are several things I think it's worth knowing about Marta. One, she owns, and this is true, I believe, uh, <laughs> she owns more swords than dinner plates. Um, I'm getting there. I'm almost at the same number. I made a sword this year, so that that's a special one. See, I, I didn't even that, know that ahead that of time. That counts for two. Okay. I smithed the sword um, with these um, hands right here. Amazing. Uh, two, she's toured with the metal band Sepultura. And I know that for a fact because we went to one of the shows together. Yeah. And uh, three. Can vouch. 
she was the only woman to come on my stag do, which to American Ooh. listeners, that's a bachelor. What, is it bachelor party? Oh, yeah, 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 bachelor, bachelor party. party. Uh, but most important than all that, uh, she's a motion capture uh, actor, voiceover artist, and a million other things. One of the coolest people in the world. Um, and by pure coincidence, I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2 this week, only a year late, but thanks to Black Friday, I did get it for about 20 quid and was really blown away in particular by the motion capture detail uh, used by some of the in-game characters. Ian? Was that on, a, on PC and you played it on a console a year late? Yes. Ugh. Well, I have a job. I know, but there's no excuse for that. No, I know there isn't. We I, have I just jobs. Had... No, we Ian still... didn't. Ian didn't for the lion's share of the last year. He he didn't. He was... He was... Have a job. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had a job. It just wasn't a go-to-work job. It was just a sort of sitting in your pants at home job. I'm just teasing. Uh, I just I just didn't get around to playing it that much. Yeah. But um, but uh, there was one particular scene that um, that really struck me this week when I was playing. It's Don't worry, people. It's... Spoilers are not a coming. You're in a theatre in uh, one of the cities in the game, and you can sit there if you want and watch this entire performance. It takes about 15-odd minutes, and it's like a variety show. There's some music, there's a drummer, and I was watching the drummer, the virtual drummer, in the back of the little set of actors on stage in this non-critical mission that you didn't even have to sit all the way through. And I was watching the drummer, and I'm a drummer. I play the drums for... 30 years nearly and so I was watching with a very critical eye and I was amazed because all the rudiments all the little flourishes it all lined up it was accurately represented and I thought there are very 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 few people in the world who are going to be nerdy enough and a drummer to notice that and think amazing and then but we'd already arranged for Marta to come on the show who's done a lot of motion capture stuff in, in her in her interesting history and so I thought let's talk about what it's like to do motion capture so what's it like to do motion capture <laughs> am I, all right i'll put it a different way am i right to, was i right to was i was i correct to be so in awe of of motion capture artistry by from that scene i mean it's it's really a testament to how this has evolved you know it it is there for you it's for the person who knows the difference right and it's it's such a huge player base and, and so many different people play games now that adding those details, you know, like you said, not everybody's going to notice that that's correct, but it's for you. And clearly that animator was a drummer, mm-hmm. um, but they will these days then even for these NPCs get a drummer in. Maybe it's just one of the animators, but they will actually record that movement, especially when on a, on a triple A game that has a big budget, right? Because motion capture is extremely expensive, um, but it saves time therefore money in certain cases so you kind of balance it out but it's it's crazy because not that long ago they would have a couple of actors or specifically mocap performers you know a lot of people are still like oh, is that acting whatever like motion capture encompasses so many different types of performance that it's hard to just you know just dismiss one and accept the other but um, it would be just a couple people who would basically do everything from the main characters and the in-game animations because surprise surprise Every movement that you tell the character to do has to be captured in with motion capture if that's what you're going with. So every turn, like you'll do every 45 degree turn as you go around in standing and in, in combat, in a combat pose, and then you'll do it again as a crouch animation and you're just like... I was going to mention the crouching because we were playing Destiny, weren't we? Oh and my you, God. you raised this as an issue because basically crouching animations are torture. Well, basically, there's in the different 
like types of motion capture that you do. You have for in game uh, words in game animations. Uh, you do what you could call a locomotion sh- shoot. So you're not going to have a head cam. They're not going to be capturing face or voice. You're not going to be saying any lines. You're just going to be doing these short animations. And there's that. That's very technical. So certain there's certain performers that do that. And there's a lot of mocap actors that just don't even go there. But back in the day, that was kind of your bread and butter as a mocap performer. Uh, I'm saying as if I've been doing that for that long. But let's say the people that taught me, that's how they kind of did the thing. And, you know, you you then spend days on a set running and sprinting until they have four steps that they can use and all that. And the same thing happens with crouch animations. And I don't care how fit you think you are. I don't care how many squats you do or what you bench or whatever. The day you do crouch animations will break you. It <laughs> will it. break you. Like you will not be able to walk the next day. Wow. It is absolutely but I mean it, it the results are great but for the love of god put those at the end because if you want to do a walking cycle after a crouch cycle. You're going to get a poor walking cycle. Yeah, you're not <laughs> no. going to get anything because you're going to be walking on something seriously wrong with you. Um, so yeah, so it's it's you know all everything from planning to performance, and yes, it is important to get an actor in that suit doing even those will be quite you know banal things because every little movement and you know technically you spend more time looking at those animations and that performance that you do with cinematics, so. Those are super important to also have the character in it. The way you position your shoulders, the way your hips move when you walk. That's why in older games where they would just have, well, the guys on set already to do all the guy things. And we only have like maybe a couple of shots with women. Dude, you're also now playing all the women and you see the really weird walking. That's usually because the guy trying to move their hips like a woman. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter. What kind of instructions do you get from a, a mocap director if you would if you were to play a drum scene, for example? I think for that, because it clearly was an NPC, yeah. they would just say Play, and it's clearly synced to the song, play the song. Now, they wouldn't use any of the live recording because it, it's it's almost like playing to pre-record audio. Like, what a lot of people don't know also because, and this is one of my sort of gripes, um, I thankfully haven't been the victim of this that much, but the voice actor and the body, uh, the voice and the body are usually two different people. And the voice actor will usually get the main credit for the character. And there's, you know, this mocap actor that did all the body. And what you'll do is normally the the voice actor will do their lines. And then you will do motion capture within the space that, you know, the animators have designed, the environment artists have designed to pre-recorded audio. So they might have a head cam on, but they won't be doing 
any kind of um, uh, they won't be capturing any audio or anything. And you have to kind of move around in time, hit certain marks in time and everything. Now, now would you be expected to um, lips, you know, sync that for you? Would you it, be expected to read the lines? Or? It doesn't matter that much. Right. OK. I mean, yes, because you kind of need to know exactly what you're saying when to act. Yeah. Right. So you need to know your lines. But, you know, it. you usually won't hear that until you get to set and it's time for that shot. So you try to pick it up as quickly as possible. And if you fluff up a word, it doesn't matter. But ultimately, you'll you'll do that and then they'll sync up the time codes. And motion capture, even though you know people think it's all captured, all neat and everything, and then you just put it into a character and that's done. That's a huge misconception. It, it takes a village to take to go from motion capture into what is a fully and correctly animated character, you know. Motion capture data is literally just dots. The dots on your body, and that's... I mean, there are other types of mocap systems, but the most famous one and the most widely used ones is this optical passive system where you have all these cameras around you, you have the dots, and it's... it's uh, Yeah, you can have multiple people in the scene. You like The computer will know where in the relation to the space you are. You know, it saves a lot of headaches in that respect. Um, but at all times, for any one point to read at least two cameras need to see that marker that's not always the case just imagine crossing your your arms in front of your body you're covering a bunch of markers so the data is not going to be perfect somebody needs to clean it up and basically look at other references and see where the marker that was lost is and manually place it back and correct that they need to then make any adjustments for example if you were holding a gun in a cinematic where you have a head cam and you it's a rifle and you're supposed to lift it up and aim at somebody you can't do that because the camera is there so you're gonna i literally did that once so it like i was all in the scene and everything i went and lifted a rifle up and i hit the camera I was like oh my god i'm so sorry oh my god is it okay you know it's expensive equipment so i had to rambo the entire scene and then in post they would have to move that up so just these little things take time and with this in this world you know, you it's extremely collaborative, but it's and and you know you rely on the people who envisioned this world, envisioned the character to tell you as much as possible because you can't see. You need to kind of get on the same page as po- as quickly as possible. But ultimately, you want real actors to infuse character into every single move that you see. And some of the best examples of that is basically anything Naughty Dog has done recently yeah the last of us that sort of thing absolutely brilliant yeah because i mean for me the most exciting thing about motion capture as it evolves and of course full performance capture is becoming more and more uh prolific and that that's where the where they are the actor is both captured doing the face animation doing the voice all that sort of thing exactly like basically what andy circus does with for like uh was it planet of the apes and all that kind of stuff and well, Gollum was it still had to be separately done. Like what you used to oh. have to do, especially for face, is like you do the general performance, and then you have to go into a separate room, sit still, and redo your entire performance just for the face, right? And possibly re-record the VO again. So it was it was kind of all disjointed, and now you can kind of do it all at the same time, uh, especially because the tech has caught up that can handle the data influx. But for me, because of that. You know, the more markers you have, the more detail is captured. The more data you can absorb, the more detail, the more of the nuanced performance. You no longer have the, you know, the Sims kind of wave. 
you have finger animations or you know if you go to the old hitman games and you look at a guy who's repairing a car and he's literally just waving his arms with, like in in a way where it kind of looks like he's wrenching something but if you come around he's literally doing absolutely nothing and now like the drummer he'll be doing something he'll be exact yeah so as a performer you no longer have to overact as much to show something you no longer have to be as big you you can just you have so much more of your performance read by the computer you can really you know you pull at people people's heartstrings and you and i think as gamers you guys will know how much this has evolved you get a lot more emotionally involved with the characters these days well i i mean for that particular performance i just sat back and let it roll it was like a variety show there was there was a, a, a kind of like a belly dancer single uh, woman with flames around her waist uh holding other flames and, and fire poi type things and i was just watching her because obviously the graphical detail was <laughs> extremely high because it's it's a very high resolution game the artistry was was great but i also knew that it was a real person that was performing and i just sat back and watched it while i was having my dinner and then there was another performance and then this music musical number and i just spent 15 minutes watching it and it didn't feel like i wasn't i didn't see myself watching um uh, animators who had manually done it I knew I was basically watching an actual performance that had been interpreted by animators and gra- and graphical artists and that was just very compelling it drew me in and it made me want to watch this entire scene play out exactly and that's the whole thing with you know when something's really good especially in visual effects let's say if you go to Marvel movies because motion capture is now ex- like prolific in movies as well not just um, not just video games. When you when you look at this stuff now, it's it's just. I mean, I've kind of lost my train of thought a little bit because I was just so overwhelmed by this. <laughs> oh my god, it's so amazing! But you know, you you're drawn in, and and there's an appreci- a new appreciation for the performance side of it. Um, so much so that, well, in the movies, you know, you have an established way of working, like actors versus crew. In, in games, it's still very much, you know, usually directed by animators. Animators don't didn't go to film school. Mm. They, they have next to no directing training. They just have an idea and just want to try to communicate it to you and, and have you bring it to life in the right way. And, you know, they, they don't necessarily know what they're looking at until we're already off the volume. Right. So that's an enormous amount of pressure on them, but also an enormous amount of pressure on the actor to sort of understand and, and get on the same page. And I, I really like the move towards, well, a lot of animation directors are now getting director training, but there's also mocap specific directors that come from the actor side or the movie side. They come in and they kind of understand and they've bridged this, this world. And I know from my own performance that it just, it takes it on a whole to a whole nother level, and that's what you, that's what you want. It, and it, right now, yes, it's still a nice to have. Same thing with, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about, around safety and having a stunt coordinator on set, a fight coordinator coordinator on set. Something that's you know absolutely standard on a movie set that on in a mocap volume you will very seldom have. But nevertheless, the moves are there. You know, they're moving there, and they're also casting. Even though like I. Like my looks, apart from let's say my my stature, um, have no impact on whether I get cast. Right? It doesn't matter because it's just the the movement that they're capturing. Um, but they're still casting true to you know more and more to gender, to race, to background because 
I believe that's kind of what you should do. Well, yeah. Yeah. And there might be very slight differences. I don't know. You know, I mean, there certainly is. In, yeah, between races. Like cer- you said about walking, you know, yeah. that simple thing that you wouldn't think about. And facial and, you know, facial structure, I think, yeah. as well. And that's why you can usually hear whether, like, the ethnicity of a voice actor. Yeah. You oh, can hear it. Yeah. Because of the differences in the shapes. That's why we're physically different. And so that all reads. I mean, is the biggest BS detector. The mocap set volume is, like, the biggest BS detector. You, you cannot fake things you're either doing it or you're not and it's it's great it's a lot of pressure but it's it's great facial animation generally is extremely difficult you there's a handful of people relatively in the world that are good at animating faces and it is a painstaking process i mean for the most part when you have the facial capture cameras we have all the dots over your face and everything most of the time a lot of that data is not usable and it, you're, it's just really good reference, right? And has to be, the faces have to be hand animated and fixed. And that's why when there's like these upper lip things, like weirdly moving upper lips where, for example, one culprit for the, one, one example of that sadly is the young uh, Princess Leia, right? In the, in the later Star Wars movies where she just kind of, it's just that uncanny valley you don't quite know is because this is just entirely frozen. This, I'm pointing. This is great for a podcast. Um, <laughs> I but like, just, well, I'm here, so I yeah, exactly. Just that. the bit under the nose and everything just kind of feels weird. Is because faces we we're so expressive and we have so many muscles, so many like little things that happen that in some ways a fur covered face can yeah. be a little bit easier. Yeah, instead of our you know weird hairless faces. Um, but you know you don't really have reference for a talking raccoon true and also the the way they build those models and i showed my kids this because they were because they're a bit too young for the film but but i thought they would be fascinated to see rocket and um but they build that animal bones flesh you know muscles and that is such a i mean and i assume they do a similar thing for humans if they do that that way yeah they'll probably i mean it'll probably be a thing of where they don't do that from scratch for everything there's probably stuff they can pull from and build out build onto and animators please correct me um but yeah, like I said, it's, it takes a village. There's people who are specialists in all this stuff because you not only have to build a character model, you have to rig it. And I imagine that would be a rigorous job to show basically how points of what should move and then basically match the mocap data, essentially, and I'm massively simplifying here, to the, to the rig so that the rig moves the way the data tells it to move and then correct the one billion things you need to correct to make it match and hopefully then you can you know work with it but you'll constantly find things where you know the the computer somehow made the wrong conclusion well i've learned an enormous amount uh we'll have to get you back marta and talk more about the stunt coordination side of of the profession which sounds like it will be full of intrigue and uh an injury If you have any thoughts on what Marta has just blown our minds uh, with, then do let us know. Hello at UKTechShow.com. We can pass questions along. We can accept petitions for her to return. (laughs) I certainly would be very grateful of uh, future 
informative sessions, Marta. So keep keep this space opened. Luke in the chat room has already said signed, and he included an exclamation mark, which means that <laughs> wow, you've got certainly at least Commitment. one brand new fan here. But I, I, I'm I'm sure they will be in their their thousands when we publish this. Um, but thank you, Marta, for for, for joining us. Uh, where if people wanted to follow you, learn a bit more, hire you, whatever, what what are you working on? Where can people find you? Um, so I am literally on everything social ever, but the best accounts are probably Twitter and Instagram, both of which uh, on both on both of which my username is at Martholio. Yes, that is a Beavis and Butthead reference. I will make sure we include links to all of this stuff in uh, the show notes. So do check it out. And Marta, thank you so much for, for being here. Uh, I would like to also thank Tom Merritt from Daily Tech News Show, who is about to tell us what's been happening in the wider world of technology over the last week. This week on Daily Tech News Show, we talk with Chris Mancini about the increasing overlap between visual effects in movies and video games. Talk about what your responsibility is when reading and sharing the news. Discuss what it means that Larry and Sergey stepped down from Alphabet. Theorize that 2020 may be the year of the mid-range smartphone. And David Spark joins us to help understand why so many companies find getting the basics of security hard to implement. That and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Thank you very much, Tom. You know, I'm seeing Tom. I'm going to see some baseball with Tom next Are year. Are you? Yep. Oh, nice. What, when? Yeah. Uh, June, I believe. Lovely. In uh, in London. Ah. Would you Adam and Eve it? I would Adam and Eve it because you just told me. I know. And I'd never lie to you. Fair. That's that's that. <laughs> uh, thank you, patrons, for supporting us and uh, keeping us in fresh supply of basically everything that we could ever possibly need uh, to do a podcast with. So thank you, everybody. And I'm going to be in New York next week. I'm leaving in about 24 hours. Ooh. I do fully intend to do a show from New York, and Extra Message will be on cue as well for uh, for next week. But as to how that show will come together, I'll have to both A, let you wait and see, and B, more importantly find out for myself (laughs) by figuring out before then Uh, but in some form I will see you next week and uh, thank you both for being here yay yay thank you for having me planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.